Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. I've been speaking to a few city restaurateurs and the one thing that they have been saying to me is, Cam, tell people to come into the city because there's nothing but fluoro vests and and other people, you know, <laughs> that are here. There's lots of, lots of cops. Um, actually, there's less, which is, is kind of good. But um, the city restaurants, everybody in hospitality is going to need your support. I know that. But um, city restaurants especially because think about what was – your vision of what the city was in February, yeah, way, way back, and it was full of students. It was full of overseas travellers. It was full of office workers. It was full. And and now we've got, because everybody's working at home, there's not so many of the corporates that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, the base has shrunk dramatically. Absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of um, establishments Long, long establishments and short ones too that will need your help. So uh, the public transport's still working. It is. You can do that safely. And it's it's not that crowded at the moment either. So yeah. you can you can definitely do it safely. Or mm. you know, get on get on the bike. Yeah. Cycle in. You're going to head out into regional Victoria. We were talking about that. That is the hope. Yes. Which, Fingers um, crossed in a few weeks' time. Just sounds divine. The um, and we were talking about maybe you're going to go to Gippsland. Yep, that's the plan. Go and going to go and do some camping in in the prom, and then go and pay a visit to some regional restaurants. Go to the prom. That sounds great. And, you know, I was suggesting yeah, Painsville might be really really nice. Mm-hmm. A trip maybe uh, you could rent a boat. <sighs> And, and just be on a boat for a bit and maybe then tie up to the, the pier at Painesville and go and have dinner at Sardine. And, this is great. And you have can a, write my itinerary. Have a few too many drinks and then <laughs> just, I just got to walk to the end of the jetty and just get in the boat. <laughs> okay. And then you'll go, wow, this boat's moving. No, but don't worry about that. Um, but one thing that you can do uh, is uh, go, what was it? Cherry Hill Estate. Um, you go and pick some cherries. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Cherry Hill Orchard. Um, I just got an email from them and I thought, well, we should give that a little bit of a, a shout out because one thing is that Cherry Hill Orchards has uh, been around for 80 years. And uh, the idea is that you can come to this place, pick your own cherries mm-hmm. uh, for a certain amount of money, uh, and you've got cherries. Hey, you know, the world's great. Go home, make a clafoutis. I'll eat it on the boat. Eat it on the boat, you know. But uh, there's also a high tea that you can indulge yourself in. Gippsland will be dying to see people. Regional Victoria will be dying mm-hmm. to see us. Being safe, of course. Yes, you know, Sorry, we're course. going on about that. And Cherry Hill um, Orchard's part of uh, all the great things around uh, the Yarra Valley, and they are in Wandon East. So mm. if you want to look that up. We're doing a radio show on food. Yeah, we certainly are. And boy, am I um, I'm just a tiny bit excited because we've got two luminaries of food. Uh, one whose presence is in just about every household in Australia, I would say. Yes, definitely. I speak of Stephanie Alexander. 
Yeah. We're going to speak to her in a couple of minutes. Um, She's got a very important birthday coming up uh, soon, on the 13th, I think it is. And uh, also great things have been done with her, uh, the foundation, which she first kicked off, I think, around about 2004 at the Collingwood uh, College. What was it? Collingwood? Collingwood College, yeah. It is called the Collingwood College. I got it right. Wow. Miracles never cease. Um, but we're going to have a chat to her about the Kitchen Garden Foundation and um, 80 years on this earth and uh, the changes she's seen in food and just we're just going to have a talk. And then we're going to have a chat to uh, Joseph Varghetto. Varghetto. Oh, I never do my pronunciations right. I always get in trouble with Italians. Uh, but Joseph, one thing I do know is that he has made – Possibly one of the most beautiful cookbooks I've ever seen. It is very beautiful, I, I must say. You, you, you talked it up to me over the phone cam. Yeah. And so I had very high expectations. <laughs> and then I've seen it in the flesh today and it does live up to the hype. So This is a labour of love and it's a labour of place and it's a labour of... A little bit of sentimentality, I'd say. And I'm Mm. going to ask Joseph, do you have to be – to be a good cook, do you have to be a little bit sentimental? Mm. Hmm. Perhaps. We're going to talk to Joseph about his incredible tome called Siciliano um, later on in the show. And it is my great delight to uh, bring to the airwaves Stephanie Alexander. Good afternoon. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Hi, I just realised it was afternoon, not morning. Oh, thank God. I sometimes get that wrong. It's, it's always a good thing to say good day. A good day to you. <laughs> and you too. Stephanie, it's been a while since we've chatted. It's great to hear your voice. How are you? I'm as well as can be expected, I think, in this extraordinary year. Yes, 2020, a year we shall never forget. Correct. It is, and um, I want to be the first to... Wish you a very, very, very happy and auspicious birthday that is um, happening on the 13th, I think it is. That's right. It's even Friday the 13th. Ah, even better. And uh, it's funny, I was having a chat to a mate of mine and she went, oh, she's a Scorpio. Yes. Are Are you a Scorpio? I am a Scorpio. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, but do you do you, first of all, do you sort of buy into that and do you think you have traits of a Scorpio? Well, sometimes when I read some of those horoscope type things, I think yes, that could, that could be me. Oh, that could be I'm me. Not, yeah. I'm not sure that I really take it terribly seriously. Yeah. Well, I've always thought there's there's always been a little bit of a sting in the tail with uh, with Stephanie. <laughs> That's true. You that guess? Is true. Okay, so we, we've we've got that one right. Um, yeah. The uh, one thing, well, I guess the first thing to do is um, I just want to know, what have you got planned on this Friday the 13th? You, uh, are you going to have a shared table? Well, we'll have a shared, small shared table with my immediate family and uh, it's actually quite tricky to plan anything else because of, yeah. um, you know, the Stuff. circumstances. So yes. we're very keenly interested in what... Uh, Dan says on the 8th or the 9th of November, yeah. and some planning may take place as a result of that. Yes, a bit of, uh, yeah. a bit of pivoting and stuff like that. Have you, um, who's going to do the cooking? Um, have you requested any special things? I'm just wondering if there's stuff that you're really looking forward to having and sharing with others on your birthday. 
No, no. I think it's the after so much time when spending quite a bit of time alone, <laughs> yes. I'm actually looking forward to being with the family and um, just being relaxed in their company. That is, for me, one of the great pleasures. Of the table. Yeah, and, that, and now we can do that properly and uh, we will observe all the, the right portions, but we will certainly have a good time. Mm. So you haven't haven't requested any dishes or anything like that. You're just going to see. No, it's a secret. It's a secret. I'm told it's a secret. Oh, well, they sound well, lovely. Well, that's that sounds very very exciting. <laughs> and are, are you are you going to be doing? Uh, is this his home or out or out? But who knows where? Oh, even better. So who's who's organising all these so secrets for you? A proper secret. Mm. Mm. Well, okay. Well, we. Um, uh, May, uh, myself, uh, Josephine, who's here with me uh, panelling, and all the Triple R listeners, because uh, you're you're a big part of um, our lives and, and have been, may we wish you a very, very happy birthday and many, many, many more. Thank you so much. I hope so too. Yes. Um, the... Uh, one of the things that's allowed me to uh, have a chat or was the introduction to get in touch with you is that big things have been happening with one of your greatest legacies, I think, and that's the Kitchen Garden Foundation. Yes, we've certainly um, expanded our um, reach and, and our areas of interest to really represent a whole-of-school community and even preschool, a whole of li- a whole of life almost. We say because we have a very active early learning years program now for children who haven't yet started school. Yes, and that's a pilot. And we have just completed three years of a pilot program in um, fourteen secondary schools, uh, some in Victoria and some in New South Wales. We've been very excited by that, um, and, and of course it's been. A challenge. We've had to uh, develop really, really quite specific professional um, resources that are quite, that are different from those that have been appropriate for our pri- main uh, cohort up to now has been the primary school. Yes. But you know, when the secondary schools, we've got a different, slightly different angle that the kids can learn. They certainly are being encouraged still to. Um, discover the pleasures and joys of growing and harvesting and sharing lovely food with each other and finding out more about the benefits of choosing fresh food. Yeah. But also we've got, I think there is a slight vocational thing there where you can indicate to students as one of our resources that, you know, it's a very big growing industry, everything to do with not only just supply but uh, the the hospitality industry, as we know, is a great employer mm-hmm. and a great a great encourager of young talent. So I'm not saying that the program is... That's certainly not what it's all about. But yeah. It definitely encompasses children who get involved in um, the pleasures of growing and starting their own gardens. In fact, the pilot program showed over half of the students, and that's well over a 1,000 students were surveyed. More yeah. than half of them had said they'd started to grow... Vegetables or herbs at home, so you know that's quite a that's quite a big response in a, a three a three year pilot. God, it's come so far, isn't it? Because 
I do remember coming to the Collingwood College in 2004 and seeing a shovel go in the ground and the earth get turned, and that that was the genesis. And, my God, it's come a long way. I think you might have been there a bit earlier than that, Cameron, because, in fact, we started digging in Collingwood College in 2001. One. And that, and that was the very first... Um, Our very, I suppose you could almost call it a pre-pilot situation because we certainly hadn't got anything officially happening. Yes, we certainly didn't have any money. No, <laughs> you know, so we were we were out there immediately, just trying to show that this program had potential and that it could attract uh, funders. And and I think in those early days, that for the first few years, it was a constant preoccupation to try to, try to stay alive, you know, as an organisation while. We found our first supporters. So, but it, in 2004, you were correct in saying that was when we first officially became a not-for-profit foundation. And it was 2001 I when... Like, I don't like yeah. to forget the first three years when it was really a lot of <laughs> shovels on the ground and a lot of talking and a lot of meeting groups and trying to convince uh, those who had wherewithal yes. that this was a valid educational program, that it wasn't just sort of an entity entertainment for children. You took the words right out of my mouth, Stephanie, to say this is valid and this is this is something so important and and those three legs of that chair where you talk about the growing, the cooking and the conviviality of the table are just so important in this this day and age and in 2020 um, dare I say it even more so. I think that's absolutely right and I think probably more and more people and certainly more and more um, organisations are seeing that there is some way that they would like to help or be involved. Mm. And, uh, you know, this secondary school kitchen garden project, the pilot, was funded by AstraZeneca, and we know their names are in the yeah. news for other reasons at the moment. And the, So they really had a young health program where they really see that it's very, very important that we direct our youth yes. um, to see that these areas are incredibly important for just their own life, and there's a lot of soft skills that, that happen at the same time, you know, sort of leadership, um, mm. ability to discuss things, ability to listen to different points of view. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of those things make for good citizens, really. Cooperation in the, uh, around, the, around the stoves and the chopping and the delegation and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because hard to take that out of it. That's exactly what happens. And, and I love the idea of, you know, the one thing that's great about the hospitality system at its best, at its very best, is a really, really great chance for mentorship. Yes, absolutely. That's, and I remember with great fondness many of the young people who were apprentices <laughs> in the 21 years of Stephanie's Restaurant. And, and men, not all of them have stayed in the industry, mm. but I think they can say that whenever I meet one of them, the whole experience of those years has been very important to their under, understanding about food, to their, you know, it's been important to them to developmentally, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is um, a very good thing. And, and also... The, the great importance, um, this is one thing, we'll just be nodding in furious agreement with each other, but it's, it's worth saying that the ability to cook, like just to have that ability to make your own choices nutritionally uh, and otherwise, is, um, is almost a, a, a political act in a way, is it not? Well, certainly it's the, 
gateway to personal independence, that you are yes. able to mm. care for yourself and your family um, without recourse to um, completely relying on pre-made convenience packaged product. Yes. You, you know that if you've got a few basic staples at home and a few things growing in the garden, you know, you can make a meal. Yep. What better thing is that? And probably a beautiful meal too. And it is possible to cut a pumpkin. Yes, Even though there's some super manufacturers that say that why would you even bother just open the tin and uh, and everything will be fine. Um, now, with uh, in in, did you want to add anything to that, Stephanie? I beg, I didn't hear that one. Oh, I was just I was just agreeing with you and saying that yes, it's it it is very very important. Um, getting back to the the Kitchen Garden Foundation, um, I don't know if we mentioned this before. Um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there's the chance that if you are a high school um, and if you want to join the Kitchen Garden Foundation, uh, there's a chance to win packages worth, what have you got, $3,500 towards yes, their own right. kitchen garden. So that's probably something that should be mentioned for principals that might be listening in on the show or teachers that are listening. Correct. They should perhaps just get onto our website and check it all out, kitchengardenfoundation.org. Yes. And they've got at least another two and a bit weeks that they can enter this competition. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a a dumb question? Thank you. Please. Uh, Good. Nice to be given permission to be silly. Um, Does Home Ec still exist as a course in in schools? Do you remember Home Ec? Well, I think it's now called something. It's called Food um, food Technology. Oh, okay. Yes. And I think it Sometimes happens, it certainly still exists in secondary schools, certainly does. Yes. And very much in VCAL programs. And I think it sometimes um, can be in years, in different years. Yes. You can do it, you can do it in year 10. I mean, I wouldn't say I was an expert in the curriculum choices and the secondary system. No, well, I didn't I expect. it still continues. And yep. what, of course, the, the bonus of that is that most um, secondary schools are set up with a really a, fun, a really well functioning kitchen space, mm. um, so that if they want to um, branch out into having a kitchen garden program for some of their students, they are they're already well ahead of what can happen in many many primary schools where the infrastructure just doesn't exist at all. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, see, I was I was yeah, I was wondering about that as to how this can dovetail with what you're wanting to do with. Um, uh, the secondary year people. Yeah, well, I would. They, the schools that I have visited, I remember going because we're all at a disadvantage, as, as you know, at yeah. the moment because we really can't visit the schools. But before before COVID, I did visit um, the secondary school in Geelong and watched with enthusiasm the kids who had a lovely garden that they were very active in. And then I went into their kitchen and watched them all cooking away, and um, <laughs> you know, the same sort of. Skills were being on show that I had seen several times with primary students, and the ed- and of course the educators were also very enthusiastic. And um, so I think we can be. Tr- I think I can truthfully say that where this program has been made to be part of the curriculum, it's proving to be very successful. Now we are at a problem with you know we haven't been able to visit. We've, all our all our support systems at the moment have been obviously online. Yep. But um, 
So what's different to the rest of the community at the moment? Yeah, well, no, no different from from anybody. My God, yeah, those, mm. this has been, uh, yeah, crazy, uh, crazy times in in that regard. Well, um, it looks the Stephanie Garden Kitchen Foundation. It's been going for years. I think it's been an awfully successful thing, and it's been great in instilling um, uh, great things in the people. Uh, yes. I was just wondering, we've got a couple minutes left and I, I just thought it, it might be interesting for you to, for us to reflect on how much this, this landscape has changed in re- regard to food. Like, you know, when you first opened up Stephanie, um, Stephanie's um, over uh. there in Taronga Road about how, God, our approach to food and... Um, the 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 threads of ethnicity that you know that we were able to draw on weren't quite as pronounced as um, as they are now, and just how much what we eat has changed. It's been quite incredible, hasn't it? Yeah, very hard to sum that up, of course, in a minute. But I mean, the, yeah, I don't, the yeah. waves the waves of immigration to this country have, as far as I can see, have been ongoing since. The gold rushes, really. Yes. And, you know, things happen and one new group of people arrive in the community. They bring their own habits, their own passions, their own dishes, their own crops, Mm. and we all gradually absorb some of those influences into our mainstream suppliers and what we know, and we we make friends with our neighbours and discover new ways of cooking bread or whatever it is. So that just has been ongoing. I think the thing that stands out for me as the one big difference is the um, positive growth of interest in everything to do with sustainability, uh, um, particularly amongst young people. And, of course, I I see that as as a huge positive... Um, I'm not blind to the fact that there's still a large percentage of the population who consider food more or less as fuel and don't spend a lot of time uh, worrying about whether what they're buying is locally grown or fresh or um, as good as it can be. But we do see this huge push from our youth for um, sustainability, you know, being really interested in how things are, are produced wanting to do some of those things for themselves. And we and every community that I can think of, large or small, develops a sort of specialist food store mm. or, you know, the, the, the range of product available to us all is extraordinary. I, th- I think if I can yeah, paraphrase and agree with you, I think uh, uh, the youth of today give me great hope for the future. Yeah, that's a good, a good, put, a good thing to remember. Yeah, it is. Um, Stephanie, uh, what work is left for you to do? What, what are the things um, that are still on your to-do list? Uh, well, I mean, the Kitchen Garden Program can just be can sum up by saying more of the same. It's, we still need um, government support. We would still really like to feel that this sort of area of education could become mandated into all schools. Yeah. That would be the, the dream. That would be good. Um, uh, so I will keep on talking and enthusing about what I see as being an incredibly important part of people's edu- children's education for as long as I'm able to. 
and more strength to your arm in that. Stephanie Alexander, it's been a delight to catch up with you. Um, I hope we get to speak again soon. Again, from the listeners of 3 FM, from myself personally and Josephine, who's uh, looking after things, can we wish you a very, very happy birthday? And as I said before, many, many more. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for that thought. Yeah, thank you for taking the time, Stephanie. Great to hear your voice. Lovely. Thank you. Siciliano. It's a book. It's, it's just another cookbook. But it's different. It's, it's clad in this sensuous black leather. It, 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 it's like squid ink, black, dark, mysterious. It's just black. There's no chef in the sunshine thrusting a pan or a plate. No perfectly lit and styled food porn cover shot. But two things are deeply embossed. Siciliano in times Roman, my God. And then underneath, in smaller, smaller letters, Joe Varghetto. Joe's on the phone. Congratulations, Joseph. This is possibly one of the most... Beautiful books I have ever seen. Wow, that's a that's a that's a big that's a big bold statement. I think Cam. Yeah, for having me on the show. It's um it's considered as well. Um, uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to Three Triple FM. Joseph Fagetto from uh, Massey and Mister Bianco in Q and uh, the CBD of Melbourne, respectively. How are you on this Sunday? First of all, really well, Cam. Thank you very much. It's um. Lovely to wake up. Well, it's been a few hours now since I've been awake. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a beautiful day. I mean, and you, best day in, if I ever. And you had the whites on last night? Absolutely. I've had the whites on for, I think, well, if we want to talk, talk about this year, I've had the, mm. had the whites on probably every day since March. Yes, but not quite. It's, it's sort of different for, you know, civilians um, out there, folks. What we mean, of course, is, uh, and maybe I'm alluding to, is the fact that Joseph has taken his place not only on the pans, but on the pass at his beloved restaurant and has actually been able to feed people inside. It must be a beautiful feeling to be able to do that. At the moment, yes. Um, we've had... Uh, we op- we reopened on Thursday, uh, obviously with compliance and restrictions, having uh, you know twenty people in the venue at uh, at all times. Um, it's been a really really enjoyable uh, reopening. Uh, we've had some fa- fabulous guests coming back and uh, saying you know obviously uh, eating in indoors without having to you know cook at home and pour uh, <laughs> yes. their own wine. That's- um, well, the crazy thing was I, I came and visited you at your invitation, yes. and thank you for that. And I got to see uh, Maro Caligari from uh, from Gembrook at the Independent, um, mm-hmm. and you dragged the whole kitchen pretty much outside. Oh, it was, it was. It's like you had paella pans, you had yeah. uh, deep fries, you had a grill, you had a coffee machine. There was cannoli. There was sort of a bar, and you know, oh my god, it was it was crazy. Brioche, mm. had everything. Yeah, Brioche, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, listen. Day. The the reason I've uh, we got you to have a chat today is to talk about this incredible labour of love that you have created. Um, yeah. It's not out yet. Um, I am 
really, really quite blessed because um, you had your publisher drop one off to me at my house, and I've felt a little bit rock star, actually, when uh, Danny came over. Um, um, Tell us a little bit about uh, the genesis of the book, and I I think I wanted to start this conversation off in that to be a good cook, should a cook or a chef be a little bit sentimental? I think so. There's a lot of the dishes that um, a cook or a chef uh, cooks or learns are things that are very close to him or her. And they they need to cook something that they recognise. Um, my my biggest thing, if you don't believe in what you're cooking, you don't really understand it from, you know, A to Z. So, mm. um, so you need to work under someone that, Obviously, you respect that you can you can learn a lot, not just in in food, but also in in life and in in learning and direction and business. There's a lot of things that you need to learn, not just not just cooking. Uh, nowadays, if you want to open your own restaurant as a as a young uh, as a young chef or a young restaurateur or a young advanced uh, person, you need to learn all those aspects. It's not just uh, cooking good food and. And, um, and opening the doors, so there's a lot to do, and it's also with with this book, it's been it's been a long time coming. You know, I'm I'm 47 years old. I've been cooking since I've been 19. Uh, I did I did half a, a economics degree. I went to university. I went overseas. I've done a lot of competitions. I've done I've done a lot a lot of things. But um, you won the Bakus in um, in Australia. Did you the know? Australian, yeah, the Australian um, comp, but obviously yeah. when you go to France, it's a different stuff. Yeah, Lyon is came, a little bit different, yes. Yeah, came 15th out of a total number of the world, which was 24, which was... That's pretty good. Yeah. We had a very small budget back in 2001. Anyway, we, we did our best, and I think uh, for the outcome that we, we got was um, a really, really, really positive thing for us. Um, but we brought it back to... Oh, I brought it back to Victoria, and then... Um, and then we, we've taken it from there. But a book is something that um, I find that you need to do it when you can offer offer something of yourself, a lot of yourself in, in it. Um, because anyone can go onto the web and they can find a, a sauce recipe or a pasta recipe or something. But people that uh, that you guess or your your people that buy this book, they actually want to know something about you and, and different experiences and you know where you've come from and if they can resonate uh, some of some of their life w- with yours. And, and this book basically starts off as as, um, as me talking about a, a lunchbox, which was a lunchbox. And I, the and green I lunchbox of, uh, of, of Mysterioso, um, yeah. of, uh, which turned into the green lunchbox of envy for a, lo- a lot of people. <laughs> which I've, I've always said that that lunchbox, not just, that lunchbox, but that time that I was going up in and bringing this lunchbox to either primary school or high school in uh, Sandy, was, in Sandringham too. So you know, in, out uh, out in the southeast with very, the skippies, it was very yep, tip top uh, white, you know, high fi bread. Yeah, um, and it was kind of I look at that and it's kind of the growing up of Australia. Uh, it was the the under it was it was you know, me bringing salami sandwiches and spaghetti that my mum would put in a lunchbox and. Um, and then kind of getting getting picked getting picked on because of it, but hmm. it was it was an opening to I think Australia growing up, and then it 
goes into obviously me finding my finding my feet and uh, and understanding who I am. And I just I think it was an underlying underlying thing that I just loved cooking. And I was always with my mom in the kitchen. You know, my dad would be out uh, doing you know, let's say manly things like mowing the lawn and, and looking and after the garden. But can we and can we up. can we speak yeah. a little bit about your mum because she sounds incredible and um and actually I, I just as a little nod to uh your collaboration with michael harden have to say wow yes. um yeah. love lovely collab there michael if you're listening thumbs up uh because it, it's beautiful so much that i got such a a sense of your mother that mm-hmm. there is a picture of a thimble that's it yeah. you brought a tear to my eye when i saw that thimble because what a what a beautiful image to represent the tenacity of your mum. You said that life living with your parents um, were um, um, a little bit volatile, somewhat? Uh, Not volatile, it was, you know... You talk about the volatile Sicilian psychology. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Living, uh, growing up with a a Sicilian mum, you don't know sometimes where you stand. Yeah. With them, so it's volatile, but in the sense, if you if you understand it, it's all about trying to trying to achieve your your best. And sometimes you're the best friend, and sometimes you're the worst enemy. Mm. And um, you know, whatever I did was never good enough. And uh, it was, and I that, I think that was one of the things that always pushed me to achieve more as much and more. As I could and, and try to have that you know that uh, that smile in her eye um, <laughs> and I remember getting home and saying mum you know I'm not going to go to university again and she was very very disappointed you know but uh, then she said to me she, what do you do I she slapped you she slapped your face yeah, I was gonna yeah <laughs> she did yeah, yeah she did. And didn't talk to me for six months yeah uh, don't listen. Don't. Uh, I. I see similarity. We are sort of kindred in a way that I. I had a Russian mother who was also an amazing seamstress who was also incredibly volatile. So uh, I have this simpatico with you with that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, why the decision was to go with a black cover, and then of course the most important thing: the recipes that are in the book. Decisions to go with the the way the book looked. Tell tell me a little bit about that because this is absolutely this is so different, book, but it's so beautiful. Yeah, so the book is a, a combination of a lot of uh, uh, my my family as well. So uh, an up and coming designer, his, his name is Christian Caleri. Um, Christian, obviously, wow. he knows he knows me from from you know from being part of the family, and he just observed my just me and mm. for 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 a little bit of time and he said i've got a i've got something that i'd probably like to pass on to you in the sense of what we're going to do with the, the with the book front cover the book. yes and he said let's just do it all in black mm. so, but that doesn't i said but, 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 and he goes no nah, it's all in black black leather it's you went, yeah yeah you're right yeah. And the reason why it's me is that I'm kind of a no-fuss type of person in the sense of I just wear a black T-shirt, black jeans, either black Birkenstocks, drive a black car. And yeah. the reason why, it's not because I want to be morbid and dark or I want to be a goth. It's just easy. <laughs> yes. It's like I just, whenever I go out, wherever, if I'm going to buy something, I just buy it in black. I always ask, is, does it come in black? 
and black T-shirts are easy to find, and it's just ease, ease of... It's a bit like the Einstein type of thing that he used to have a, a series of all the same clothing and just so he just wouldn't have to use too much of his mental capacity to work out what to wear. Yeah, right. So, and I think I read that somewhere. Maybe it just kind of resonated with me. So that's that's the... that's. And what it is as well, it's a kind of a journal feel. So Yes, it is, because the there's, there's also the, the dimensions of it too, because it's mm-hmm. smaller than an A4, and both yep. Josephine and I were saying how beautifully it just sits in the hand. There is something quintessential mm-hmm. about this size and its feel and stuff. Correct. And so my biggest gripes with, with cookbooks is that sometimes they're too – too big or they're too wide and you hold them in your hand and uh, Mm -hmm. for example in the kitchen uh, in the home kitchen you find it hard to place down um, and then the the covers sometimes obviously sometimes they're they're just they're just too bulky and 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 if you want to cook from it sometimes if you want to hold it in your hand or you want to put it on the bench if you put it on the bench the covers might absorb the oil but then we said okay let's just do it in black leather and it's just easy to wipe. If there's any stains, it'll kind of, uh, it'll just, it'll make the leather even more per, um, more personable. Because you'll get become, that, that beautiful word, Joseph, patination. It'll patination. Get, it's a bit like a sofa. You know, when you buy a uh, sofa, it's uh, yeah. leather. Or, or a... That warm feeling. Or a, not a Bisonte bag, yeah, anyway, the, the leather bags that, uh, that age with you as, as you uh, go on. Um, this has some extraordinary, beautiful dishes in it. But I just thought I'd ask you, and I don't know if you've got the answer. This is just one of those things. Just put out the question. And how is it that Italians in general have been so inventive when it comes to food, but specifically when it comes to noodles and pasta? Absolutely. It's crazy. Um, You know why? 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 it's a kind of an easy question to answer. Oh, it's that good. we we are good um, we are good with taking someone else's idea and making it our own. Hmm. <laughs> so well, you didn't get uh, it from the Greeks, though. Sorry, you didn't get it from the Greeks. I mean, the Greeks aren't that interested in pasta and pasta shapes as their 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 food sort of um, legacy. If you know what I mean. No, but we got it from everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, whether it be from uh, uh, from the Asians, from the from the Persians, from the yes. uh, from uh, different type of flowers and so on, or different grains from from different areas of North Africa, but we got them. We well, I think it's like how Italians assimilate to different countries. It's like in yeah. Australia, yeah, yeah, you have a lot of Italians, but once they are in the in in the country, they assimilate and they, you know, it's obviously they. Once you wish watch the World Cup, they kind of go to Italy. But <laughs> otherwise, yeah. they kind of assimilate. They don't really, you know, push the, they they do push their values obviously with the food and things like that. But mm. um, they take they take ideas and they they look at it and they make it better. That's why they're you know very very good designers. They're very good architects. They're very good. They just take the best of things and make it and make it better. Um, you know, and that's to do with I think with history as well, and, uh, and like with 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 Sicily. If you look at ice cream or granita and and so on, it comes from you know basically going up the mountain, taking some ice and shaving some flavouring to it, and that's that's basically your 
your granita or your ice cream. And then from there, because they were travellers, they, you know, whether they go to France or they go to Northern Italy or they go to England, they go to Australia, mm. and then, they, then they have to simulate again. Like my parents came here when Australia was basically the, the, the chips were fried in uh, beef lard. And, and my mum used to say to me, I just can't get over this smell. She always complained to me later on, just smell, I'd walk out in Richmond because you know, she um, lived in Richmond. The smell is just uh, obscene. It's just, and, and she found out, obviously, all the chips and fries are just in, um, in, they, in beef lard. They used to be the old fry toll, the old tallow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we've, uh, we have come a long way. And, uh, and thanks to people like you, Joseph, that um, you have helped us eat better. Um, have uh, you know you've mentored some some people as we were speaking with Stephanie? How that's so important, and um, and again I say this is just a book of great substance, of great beauty, and also it feels really really great in the hand. And the great news is is how much is it again? It's um, I've always wanted to make it inexpensive, so it's forty nine dollars ninety five. Wow, it's probably it's a book worth it's probably one hundred and fifty dollars. I but, would say, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go at least 100, I'll go 120. It's, it's <laughs> a thing of great beauty. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 